I'd been cooking for, you know, about eight or eight years. And that's, that's like just at home. This is a family like environment at home. I loved cooking. And, you know, Ben, you talked about like my mission and I realized for me, like the reason why I love cooking with my family is because when you're growing up and you're an adolescent and you start about to go off to college or whatever it is, you start to kind of lose that connection with your family physically a little yeah. bit. And some, and sometimes it can be tough, you know, like you jump on a phone call, you feel forced, sometimes obligated to jump on a phone with your family because you're just rushing around doing your own thing. But that one time when you guys sat down together at dinner table, you were united. So we tell people, hey, just pretend like we're sitting around a campfire. But today, we're going to pretend like we're sitting in a maintenance closet. So it's, it's perfect. Yeah, look, hey, you know, this is, this is not a green screen. I can tell you this is uh, a yeah. <laughs> reason for this. This is success right here, boys. That's yeah. right. That's Love right. It. Love, Love it. it. Now, well, if you can hear a an awesome accent on the other end of the line, it's not Darren, Tyler, or I. It's uh, Dan Churchill. And, man, we are so excited to have you on the podcast today yeah. mm-hmm. uh and, and we see you on tv we see you on good morning america and on food network and, and all over social media uh and, and like we were just speaking about before what we want to learn is how you got here mm-hmm. we want to learn more about your journey we want to learn about more of the origin what got you into nutrition and wellness and wanting to as you put it out i want to read your mission statement your mission statement is to use food as a tool to bring people together and enrich their daily lives I mean, that is awesome. So Thanks. we want to learn how you got to that, how you got to this point. So take us back to Australia, man, back to the beginning. <laughs> Australia, Tell us a about. I could have swore that was like a, a Birmingham, Alabama Birmingham. accent. <laughs> I am so thrown right now. I don't even, yeah. I don't even know how to react. Oh, man. Well, I, I do drop the roll tide every now and then. All right. All right. There you go. There you go. Uh, guys, thank you first and foremost for having me on the show. It's a tremendous honor. It's really cool when people like you guys recognize my – you know, what I do. So mm. thank you. Thank you so much. But uh, yes, my accent is not from the deep South. It's uh, <laughs> from Australia. Um, I, I grew up in a place called Sydney in, in the Northern beaches, Sydney specifically. So it's a stretch of land that has like 20 beaches uh, mm. going north south. And it's honestly guys, like if you think of a holiday destination that's on brochures it's exactly what you would see in australia so if i'm painting a picture of people getting excited to book a trip to australia you should and when you go to sydney you have to hit northern beaches now i was not someone who grew up in uh you know like i didn't have my parents weren't wealthy uh we got by but we just lived in a beautiful part of the world um and that really exposed me to outdoors and activity i also was the middle of three boys uh, four if you include dad. So as you boys know, there's a lot of rugby going on, mm. a lot of like, you know, wrestling, moving around and a lot of competitive edge. And um, Where'd you fall in line with those boys? Though? I'm 100% the middle child. I have okay. a middle child <laughs> syndrome. So all my middle child, uh, you know, friends out there, I got you guys. Like uh, we all know it's like, uh, but it's, it's funny. I, I've like we, we played rugby growing up. I wanted to play professionally. I really did. Mm. Like I was, I'd finish school. I was weird. I'd finish school. I'd go uh, like pass rugby balls against a pole to kind of improve my accuracy. I would throw bricks to improve my strength. I'd run up and down. Like I was, if you were like a kid, single kid who was, uh, you know, like looks like he's about to be in the army or doing the Navy SEALs. I was like, it was never like that, but I, to me it felt like that. That's what mm. I wanted to yeah. be. So, yeah. 
I would do everything in my power. Um, and I was doing okay. Like uh, I was, I was making some teams, uh, you know, doing, doing things right. But it got to a point where like <clears throat> my momentum was definitely on the way combined with injuries. Like as you boys know too well, I, I got to about when I was 18, which is high, just leaving uh, first year of uh, university in Australia. I'd like dislocated my shoulder. I tore the tendon off my finger and did my ankle on the same year. And it just really sucked me and it really was tough. And it made me realize like as much as I wanted to be, you know, playing something professionally and first and foremost, like I do want to say every athlete, you guys included, I have tremendous respect for because like my story is one thing, but using it as an example, to, to be a professional athlete, you obviously hear the sacrifices, but there's so many things you guys have to overcome. So I, I've, and I'm, all my friends now are like retiring because I'm, I'm 31 and so they're starting to get to the age mm, of retiring yeah. and have to start again. So I'm thankful that I'm, I'm already started. So I really respect what you guys have been through. But for me at that time, I, uh, you know, like I realized when I got injured, I'm like, is it actually the fact that I want to be an athlete? Or is it the fact that I actually just love activity? Because when it, when something was removed from me, and when you're injured, as you guys know, yeah. mm-hmm. you, you're stationary. Yeah. Other people have to get things for you. You have yeah. to. You can't go surfing. You can't just simply go down to the grocery store. You are effectively someone, and that tore me apart. And so, it kind of got to the point where I'm like, as I'm I'm training a lot. I loved it, but I love the training aspects. I was always one of the fittest guys. Uh, and my passion for it extended to no longer wanting to just be an athlete, but to help other athletes perform. And so when I finished my university degree, which was in exercise science, I then was like, I need to look after athletes. And to do that, I need to do a master's degree. So I followed my path in my heart and I said, okay, if I'm going to really do this, I'm going to double down. And so I, uh, I effectively went and did my master's degree at the same time. I was uh, very fortunate to pick up an internship with a couple of the local NRL like the, the rugby league in Australia, I was doing some internships with a couple of teams. I started to really learn how to speak to athletes. Mm-hmm. And that sounds weird, but you guys are so startled. Some people yeah. get really nervous mm-hmm. how to actually communicate with you. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was huge. Mm-hmm. Um, and so I've, I've went through this whole phase of like wanting to be an athlete to then learning more about the physiology behind how our body works to applying it into a strength and conditioning setting to understand how the different energy systems work and how to apply it to different sports, whether it be NRL, rugby union, swimming. Even we did a lot of work in the NFL, understood how footwork works, how to improve your 40-yard time, simply just using a certain uh, ground force reaction technique. We can improve your lift by like 10%, which you boys know, like getting off the mark is 10% is massive. So Huge jump. I was yeah. really jumping into all that, which is so exciting. But um, I think like as I really dove into this, and to kind of do a parallel kind of storytelling, I'd been cooking for, you know, about eight or eight years. And that's, that's like just at home, just as a family, like environment at home, I loved cooking. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Ben, you talked about like my mission and I realized for me, like the reason why I love cooking with my family is because when you're growing up and you're an adolescent and you start about to go off to college or whatever it is, you start to kind of lose that connection with your family physically a little yeah. bit. And, some, and sometimes it can be tough, you know, like you jump on a phone call, you feel forced, sometimes obligated to jump on a phone with your family because you're just rushing around doing your own thing. But that one time when you guys sat down together at dinner table, you were united. 
And even if your dad asked you questions he didn't want to answer, you were yeah. still communicating over genuine information. So is that how you grew up? Not to put, cut you off. Was that, is that yeah. how you grew up? Did you grow up with the fam- family dynamics as far as having dinner uh, with the entire family and, and telling well, these stories? Yeah, it was funny. Like, I would say it wasn't every night, but I think it's a big value my, my mom and dad both did. But my dad, I give credit to him. He recognized that us kids really responded well to cooking shows mm-hmm. and, and, and food time. So, you know, um, dad would cook, you know, not creatively, but he just cooked different meals every now and then. Mom definitely had to do it to look after the kids. But what he recognized that if he got his children to like, he's always been innovative with like his learnings and like, yeah. he's kind of like a Mr. Miyagi, the way he used to teach us things. Don't get me started on like, <laughs> you know, before GPS, we had to look up the street directory, as you boys know. And then like dad would just make, anyway, that's a whole other ball game. <laughs> um, love my old man. But yeah, in fact, he like he put together a timetable for the, to my two brothers and I to learn to cook for each other. Mm. And so, you know, what started out as really average meals were actually pretty edible. (laughs) So we used to like get together like at least once a week, uh, make sure we sit down for a meal and then that that as as a unit. So like, you Mm. know, be like maybe Tuesdays and Thursdays would just be one of us at the dinner table with mom or whatever, just depending on what classwork we had. But he made sure of it that we'd sit down and, and talk together. And, you know, we love food we always like challenge yourself to who could eat the most spaghetti bolognese, yeah. for example, like who, who, how many bowls could you do? Um, but my love for that was kind of really highlighted when I was, as I started to become more of an athlete, I really wanted to like, you know, eat right. Mm. And I started to research things and see things and listen to my body. And when I saw athletes, we were just discussing these boys before the show. When I was speaking to athletes about like, these are professional paid athletes and they've got no idea about what to eat. And yes. even if yeah. the nutritionists on their team who are paid to tell them what to do, they still didn't understand it and didn't comprehend it yeah. and definitely did not adhere to it. That's right. So, so true. I mean, I'll even say it's almost on the professional level, it's almost like, hey, we've just got to plug somebody in there just to say that we have a nutritionist. And I don't know what it was like when you were playing, but for us, the best advice we got was like, oh, hey, if... uh you know, if you've got a hard day at work, you should have two peanut butter and jelly sandwiches (laughs) and not just one. And, you know, here we've got our meals laid out. You know, green is low calorie. Yellow is moderate. Mm, Red is high calorie. They actually did that for you? Yeah, the little colored stickers, right, on the the table as they'd serve it. So, (laughs) but there was, was, I know, right? But there was no education associated with it. Like understanding, okay, hey, everybody's different. Everybody's metabolism is different. Everybody's, exertion is different so you know it's like hey offensive lineman you just need as much red as you can get as many calories you got to keep as much weight on as you can it's like well why like what does that do and what is like you said what does fried chicken or pancake house have to do with with the right nutrition that you need to perform at the best level yeah so dan go back and and tell me what year was that when you you finally when that started because you know tyler's telling you you know he retired in 2016 I retired mm-hmm. in, two, in 2004, 2005, and, yep. you know, through that process, we never, a, nutrition, a nutritionist never, you know, was around. We didn't, we weren't introduced to anything as far as health was concerned. You just ate and you played on Sunday. So mm-hmm. what year did you start to see the transition? So for me, I was, it would have been 2011, so about mm-hmm. 10 years ago. Yeah, maybe, yeah, maybe, maybe 2010. 
I, I started to recognize the massive disconnect. And we all hear about today the importance of food for recovery and overall performance. But like I was speaking with these athletes, I was sitting in on the nutritionists discussing with these athletes what they should be eating. And they didn't understand it. They felt intimidated and they were definitely not going to do it, right? Mm. So it's like, you guys know, it's like you've done hard day's work and you sit down, you have to do mathematics. Like I love maths. I (laughs) really do. But the last thing you want to do is start counting food and and working out what it is. And there was no way that people were putting this into perspective, in my opinion, that was enjoyable. They made it an obligation as opposed to an enjoyment factor. So I was like, I, I, I walk outside those classrooms and be like, Okay, uh, you know, Ben, um, mate, here's a recipe based on what nutritionist just provided you. Now, it, you, you can choose to trust me or not, but just letting you know, if you want to cook, in respect, you want to cook something, try this. It, it just so happened to have everything that that nutritionist wanted for that athlete, right? Mm-hmm. And so I, he next day he came back, he's like, dude, that was delicious. I'm like, sweet, I'll give you another one. Sure enough, this started to grow and within the team, the boys started like having these little cooking challenges, but they were actually eating the right foods. And then from that, I took my upon myself, my, okay, clearly the breakdown here is the communication factor. Mm. I can speak to athletes. I'm a relatable guy. I talk mm. about, you know, <laughs> you, know you, you and I could probably yep. get a beer together and just have a laugh, right? Mm. That's the way it is. So you can trust me, but also be straight with me. Mm. It's tough sometimes when nutritionists aren't able to do that per se. Now, this is back in the day. So what I effectively did was I created recipe books for these players and so what was like what was like a chore now became like a competition. So you got these mm. guys like battling off with each other who can be doing what. And the fact that I just re- replicated that model at different places and um, it became pretty successful. I actually ended up using that same recipe book to create a cookbook that I self-published called Dude Food. So <laughs> yeah. I went from like I went from being a, a strength conditioning coach to kind of like the chef advisory, if you will, um, mm. for this for these teams to then like creating a cookbook. Uh, and then after realizing the success of that, I'm like, I actually have to apply myself into this chef role if I'm going to be continuing on with this. And then, so what I would do, just like you guys would for training, like each night of the week, I would be at a different restaurant, learning from the chefs, learning from the flavors, the different cuisines, and applying my understanding of human performance, but into these foods through a way of learning the chef technique. Mm-hmm. So I bridged the gap between performance and cooking. And because I did it across a number of different cuisines, it wasn't just like broccoli, chicken, and rice four ways. It was mm-hmm. like I would learn like how to create sexy sauces. I was understanding the cooking techniques and what the fats did at certain heat temperatures to apply what would that do to the human body. And then out of that, I, uh, I ended up getting some media attention in, in, a, in a nutshell, created more cookbooks and then created more content. Um, I had no time to just do one-on-ones anymore, but I, I ended up doing more content and got a book deal to move to the, the US and mm-hmm. work with the companies like Under Armour for their specific <laughs> athletes. And that's kind of really grown. Like I've, I've become this person that people look for, for how do you bridge this gap between understanding what's perfect for my gut but in a way that I can create tasty recreations that I don't have to consult some nutritionist every single day of the week. Um, so, and it's been, it's been amazing. I hope, awesome. I hope I didn't make that too. No, no, no that's, great. that's helpful. Yeah, I, I do sure. want to go back because, because what, what, what grabbed my attention was when you said, okay, look, I realized that if I'm going to take this, this nutrition and this chef role seriously, mm. I've got to start and I've got to learn. So, so in Australia still at this point, how did you yeah. get into these different restaurants? Was it just, Hey, I just made a call and I was like, Hey, uh, executive chef, you know, Lee, Hey, will you let me just shadow you? Is that, was that it? Or what was the initiative that you had to take to get in there? 
Yeah, so naive of me. So yes, in the first time I went up and was like, hey, um, my name's Dan. I'm just looking to learn about the kitchen. And I mean, you don't really hear of free work these days, right? right. So it's like, firstly, they're like, yeah, but you're going to do dishes first. And I'm like, right. sweet, no problems. <laughs> yeah. So, you know, that effectively, and by the way, when I went to the executive chef, I was an idiot because you go to a sous or a head chef, right? Oh, and then the yeah, executive right. chef, okay. as lovely as they are, you're like, you know, <laughs> effectively, um, that's essentially what happened. So we went and did that. I did it to like five or six different restaurants. And you start out just like anything, you do your staging, which is like where you just observe. Then you do your dishwashing if you want to, straight into like, learning how to prep. And eventually what would happen is anything in hospitality, some people would leave. So all of a sudden like, oh, we need someone to prep more. Sweet. So I jump into prep. And then all of a sudden the line cook goes like, Dan, you need to jump online. I'm like, mm. sweet. So eventually you work your way up and like I get to like head chef and I'm starting to operate. So by day I was coaching and strength conditioning and by night I was a chef. I was like, oh, you know, the equivalent of being uh, in my own world, as best I can put it, is like uh, having an alias. Yeah. So it was, it was pretty funny. <laughs> I mean, that's insane, though, because, uh, and again, my understanding, my brother, my brother uh, went to culinary school in San Francisco, so kind of understand a little bit of it, but <laughs> it, the intensity of a kitchen, right, in a oh, restaurant. Man. Like to not only work all day yeah. and, and working with athletes and then to go into a kitchen yeah. and everybody's screaming and hollering and it's this and the chaos that that is. I mean, that's, that's awesome. And I, and I love the humility too. Exactly. But it, it speaks to the tools that you have. It speaks to the fact that you were willing to, to work with the athletes. You were an athlete. You understood mm -hmm. what it was, to, mm -hmm. what it felt like to be an athlete. And then you worked with them and then. You know, you trained and all that, and, and then you went into the kitchen, and then you applied what you learned there. I, I think the one thing that is genius, and, and we, I talked to Ben earlier about this, is you named the book Dude Food. <laughs> <laughs> that is marketing genius, yes. man. Yes. You know how many yeah. people you – I mean, I'm surprised that I didn't see – like because I, I, I'm one of those guys, and I'm sure these two are the same way. I'm always looking for a recipe. Like I'm always looking for something to, to cook on the grill or whatnot, but that's probably the easiest thing to find yeah. ever. Dude food. Yeah. I, I'm there. Yeah. Let's, let's talk about that a little bit because I think the value here and your story is you had a goal and, and you decided to take action. You were going to make calls. You were going to do whatever it took to just be a part of this and, and to do whatever it took to, to, to see that your dream was going to be fulfilled. So Tell us about Dude Food, the genesis of it, why you created it, because I think it's a really cool story of, of, of like I said, just doing whatever it takes to, to get there. Yeah, appreciate it. So just first and foremost, the, uh, the actual heart of the kitchen is very similar to that in the sheds before the game. Mm. Right? You think about it. You're prepping together. You have a team talk. You know, you've got ready to go. Some put some music on dockets start coming in it's game on so it's exactly <laughs> the way you're about to like i don't know line up a, a, a halfback is running through you know on a quick slant whatever it is you yeah. know what i mean like you're ready to go you're ready to fire and that's so like i love that competitiveness yeah. i was like i'm gonna make sure every docket comes in is less than two minutes right that's <laughs> that was my thing like right. i want to make sure it's quick fire dock and you just get so competitive it's really cool anyway so going back to like the actual dude food okay so this is pretty funny if I was creating, this is, this is the way I thought about it. Who is going to purchase my book? All right. So that when I was, when I was actually creating this book, I'm like, obviously I have all these recipes. I'm going to market it a certain way. So I've got to break down these recipes into scenarios as opposed to breakfast, lunch, and dinner, because I want to make it even easier 
for people to actually purchase this book and know when to eat the food they're cooking. So instead of doing breakfast, lunch, and dinner, I did foods to have around the gym. I was actually sandwiching the gym. How to Impress a Girl, which is by far the most popular <laughs> chapter of any book I've ever experienced. Um, and then like, you know, was it Foods on the Go? All that kind of stuff. But And boys, just side note, I've had, that I know of, uh, seven people propose to girls over recipes. Wow. Oh, no way. How to Impress a Girl. I know, that I know. That I know. And Dude, you need to yes. create a date so it's, nap, it's, a one, it's, it's a pretty good strike rate. You know, it's yeah, I was going to say, that's... <laughs> I'll get getting you prepped and ready for it, and yeah. and yeah, now yeah. I'm responsible for the engagement as well. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's a great model. Again, it's just like, yeah. by the way, here's the uh, the upsell as you go to the checkout. But yeah. Um, <laughs> but yeah, so like I I it's one thing to create a book or create recipes. You have to then photograph it. Yep. You mm-hmm. have to then graphic put it together in a graphic designer. Then you actually have to find a place that's going to print your books. And this is this is the funniest part. Like if you want to learn business one on one, lose money straight up. <laughs> so I. I created this book. I was like, I made good money growing up as a personal trainer, a strength condition coach. So I was like, sweet. How much is it going to cost? Yeah, I'm going to make, for some reason, it's like you guys when you're, you're an athlete. You're like, I know oh, I'm going to make the that. NFL. I'm just going to yeah. do it. Like, right. yeah, sweet. I'm just going to do it, right? So I'm like, okay, uh, 2,000 books. I reckon I can sell 2,000 books. How much is it going to cost me? Because when you're self-publishing, you're, you're putting up all the costs. Right, you're not yeah. giving it to a publisher who's going to outlay all the costs and then you take a percentage of each sale. So I went and did all that. I'd got a friend to do the graphic designing. I'd got uh, someone to shoot with me. So we shot all the recipes. Then we put it all together. And then all of a sudden, guess what, guys? You have these books. That's great. But now they're just sitting at home and you have to sell them. <laughs> so, <laughs> so it was really funny. Like I, uh, my first print run, I think, cost me like $18 per book. $18 oh, wow. per book. At the time, like, yes, yeah, sweet. That sounds about right. So um, I ended up doing a second print run. Guess how much my second book was, boys? Have a guess. Anyone? No. Uh, go ahead. Six bucks. One dollar and ten cents. Oh, oh my gosh. gosh. So I was like, <laughs> okay, I made a mistake the first time around, but at least I'm just out okay. Were you selling those so books for a hundred bucks a piece? Yeah. The first oh, round? Man, yeah. I was actually yeah. selling for 40 bucks. And I was like, that's good markup. It's yeah. set markup's great. Not including the cost of like the graphic designing or like anything. Yeah. Point was, it's uh, it was a very expensive learning lesson because it's obviously helped me get to where I'm today. But uh, also, you know, it just uh, business one on one, do some case study work. Right. But uh, ultimately, I eventually, the best person to sell any product that is yours, guys, and everyone knows this listening, is you. No matter when you take on a new business member, a team member, and you're trying to teach them your system, it's never going to be as good as in you selling it. That's fine. Mm. All right. Mm. You just got to make sure you live with that unless you can find a system that works or you are not solely responsible for selling that product in a certain way. Irrespective of that, I thought about this. I'm like, so I've got these books. Now, who would buy my books? I don't think guys are going to bookstores. Truth be told, I don't think they are. So who's going to buy them? Mothers, girlfriends, and definitely grandmas because they've got no idea what to buy their grandchildren. They really don't. They ask their their daughters, they ask their, their sons, what do I buy yet, so and so. So what I would do is I'd go into these bookstores. I'm like, guys, I'm from the local northern beaches. I just created this book myself. That's a nice local book. So I really sell it like that. And like, if you have anyone who comes in here and says, I don't know what to get my grandson, boyfriend, or son, just point them this. Because not only do you want them to cook, mm. it makes them look good because they can start to cook, but also they start to actually understand a basic life skill. And it's affordable. Yay, everybody right. wins. 
So what happened was um, they asked for one. I go, I remember the lady very bluntly. She goes, Dan, I'll take one. I'm like, sweet. She's like, how much is one? I'm like, uh, I don't know, like, uh, we'll say 30 bucks and you mark it up 10. So you make 10 bucks. And I'm like, the lady was so sweet. She knew in her head that was the worst deal ever. Right. <laughs> But then she's like, no, I don't want one book. I want one box. And I'm like, oh, sweet. So I'm like, ah, oh, so I had to redo the calculator. I'm doing, I didn't do any Excel spreadsheet, guys. I didn't have anyone. So I was just like, naive kid. I didn't, even, I didn't even think of a price to sell in the book. And I rocked up with my- uh, You already had them like, done. Oh. I just didn't know yeah, what you were selling like, them for. I rocked up. I'm like, you want to sell my books? How much are they? I don't know. But come to me with a fair price. So I ended up, um, I ended up selling out of that box, which had 14 in it in a day. So mm. I brought back another four, and within one week, I'd sold out. So I sold wow. a thousand units in. Uh, it was actually eight eight days. How many? One, in one store? store? No, it was from multiple stores. Okay, doing okay. The same thing the whole way around. Um, if that was one store, I would just hundred percent double down on how many stores that company has, and just be like, "Hey guys, exclusive partnerships." So, yeah. <laughs> so, so so let's reset here. Let, let let's let's recap what what we just heard. Basically, you had this idea. I'm going to make a cookbook for dudes that want to impress girls. Yep. I don't know what I'm doing. I, I, don't, I, I have zero clue, but I'm just going to go hire a graphic designer to take pictures. I'm going to put all these yep. recipes together in a book. Mm-hmm. I'm going to get them print and bounded and published myself. Mm-hmm. Now that I have them, I don't know what I'm going to sell them for. I don't know where I'm going to sell them. <laughs> I don't know what I, how to get rid of these. And then you start going to bookstores one by one and selling them by the box. That's, That's basically it. What we That's heard. it. And then uh, I learned about D to C sales as well. You can send people to websites. Didn't know about that. <laughs> um, and you can, you know, it was so funny because like I was so excited at people purchasing my books that unfortunately, like I was still living at home at the time. We'd have all these books at home and then these like all these, uh, you know, the to-go um, shipping little, I don't know, envelopes. Mm-hmm. And so every day I'd be going down to the local post office and selling like, I don't know how many I have. And I've got this massive trolley of these books and mum mum was so sweet. She would like someday she would like pack some for me as well. But it was just a really like it was a really cool learning. Like if, if I made no money on it, I would have walked away with the biggest learning experience ever yeah. of creating mm. a business. Cause you know, you're creating a product, you're learning to uh, completely sell the product, and then you've got inventory. So you've got three pretty key factors in learning how to operate a business. Mm. Um, and then, you know. After that, like after that, and, and to be honest, guys, like anything, like if you don't, this is my biggest thing. If you don't know something, which we all don't, we don't know everything. Just learn it by asking someone who has. And yeah. I just kept asking questions. I was so, see, and that's what I from yeah. Ben's summary. That's what that's what I took. Right? Is mm-hmm. is okay? You, you, this is the first time through all this. You're realizing mid process. Okay, hey, maybe I've made some mistakes. I could have been a little bit more efficient, but you did it, and you mm-hmm. started, and you started the momentum. Regardless, and it's like, look, I'll figure it out along the way. We talk about it all the time. How many opportunities have people missed because they're just afraid to start because they don't know everything? Yeah. Yeah. No. And that's what I would ask you, Dan, is I'm sure you failed down the, down the road. I mean, how have you dealt with failure? Look, I'm <laughs> absolutely. I fail almost every day at something, right? right? We all do, big or small. But I think for me, the hardest look. I came to America and I, I failed with trusting people I probably shouldn't have when I first got here. And that, that was a big lesson. It's like you know who your true friends are, right? Mm-hmm. I got to America and was, uh, you know, I, I, I had to start again. I had to start again because you come to a different country that at that time no one knew me, right? Mm-hmm. I may have done successful stuff in Australia, but no one knew me here. But 
I, I very I learned very quickly. I learned very quickly that you know you have to you have to be headstrong. You have to have thick skin, particularly in this business. And dealing with failure for me was something like I almost had to welcome it because you do you make mistakes all mm-hmm. the time. I think I think that's something that has helped me. If I go into a day knowing that I'm going to fail, and if I look at it with the right mindset that's what's going to help me get forward. Mm-hmm. If I look at it and go, okay, this really sucks. How do I get past this? And what do I take away from it that will help me make, not make a mistake again or just make sure it alleviates a problem going forward? Mm-hmm. Like it, it sounds, it sounds um, I guess, so cliche, but, you know, genuinely speaking, if like uh, last Friday I made a big mistake like in business and it wasn't huge, but it was a pretty big one. Mm-hmm. And then today I came up with the same issue, but I actually able to, uh, this morning I was able to handle it based on the fact that I'd experienced it on Friday. And fortunately I actually have to deal with that same situation in what I'm dealing with multiple times. Mm-hmm. And so because I did it one time and I know what not to do, the rest, every single other time, I will know how to encounter that same problem. Yeah. Hence the reason you're in the closet. But I want to go back. Well, let's go back because you just said something. Like you had a, a tremendous amount of success in Australia. Yep. And be, through that success, what made you want to come to America? Yeah. And, and, and remind us how old you were again at this time. Oh, dudes, I wanted to get, like, in general, I love America. Like, I love watching Remember the Titans. I love watching all American sport movies. I love the NFL. I love watching you guys play. I loved everything. Like, I was a kid that was before, like, I like Drew Bledslow. That's how much I loved the NFL. Before Tom Brady was Tom Brady, Mm -hmm. I was a massive fan of the Patriots. Mm. So, like... I think for me, I was always fascinated by things over here. I, I love watching in like high school movies because for some reason, the way the kids grew up in America just really fascinated me. But Australia is is, is always going to be home to me. And as awesome as it is, it's also a very small country in comparison to the power of what America can do. Now, mm. we have 25 million people as a population i believe like america is 380 like you're more than when like eight percent size of you guys so i've always wanted to have an impact on the world and it's very hard to do that from australia can be done but like i also felt like there's things that i can do here that i would not be able to do in australia and when i was presented with the opportunity to come here I thought back to all those times and like, oh, it'd be cool to live in America at some point. And like, I definitely want to do like in my head, it's like be so cool to college life at some point. And I don't need to anymore because I've got so many friends around me who went through that and I just live vicariously through that. (laughs) For me, I, I just love the idea of what America had in store uh, is, is also close, closer to the rest of the world. But like the things I'm doing now, I don't think it'd be as easy to get going in Australia. I've got a studio kitchen below my restaurant in New York City. Now, New York City, people make businesses retail and not mm-hmm. out of anything. Mm-hmm. And so, like, I have a restaurant with a space downstairs that allows me to do all this content. I don't think that, for one thing, would be easy to get done in, in New York, uh, in, right. in Australia. Like, right. I just don't think the people would allow it. But ultimately, I think going back to my, my mission, is like, really is to have an impact on people globally. And in order to do that, I had to kind of leave Australia, which 
in turn is also kind of a proud thing because anything that I do here trickles back to Australia. I'm mm. waving the Australian flag. Like yeah. our country is beautiful. It is gorgeous. Every time I talk about it, people want to go there. So I'm already doing my job by being over here. But right. mm-hmm. I think ultimately I've always been fascinated by what you guys grew up with. Um, and also the, the in like being in this city of New York, it is so energetic. I was saying the electricity, COVID. man, the, yeah. the energy that from the city like that. So did you come directly to New York City when you made the transition? Oh, uh, yeah. I got a story for you guys. So Boy. like, I landed here, and I'd never really experienced winter before. And I was like, <laughs> I'm just going to go for a walk. And I went for a walk. I had like... I can remember that I have like the awkward hair length of a surfer. So surfer, surfer hair, like hair length is like in between long hair and like short. It's just awkward. Didn't know. I've been talking about this for like last two weeks. Didn't realize I had awkward hair until after COVID. I just grew my hair out. And no one told me like, oh yeah, by the way, you had awkward hair for like 29 years. Like, <laughs> Thanks, guys, Thanks guys. I appreciate you. Appreciate you. Thank you. Um, but effectively, I was walking around Brooklyn and I need to go to, I needed to, I really needed to go to the bathroom. And I was like, like sweet just stood at the urinal I, I, I not to get too graphic but I essentially peed and then i couldn't do my fly back up first experience in america day two my hands were so cold <laughs> that my actual thumbs you and lost. fingers could not grip so like i'm like laughing my head off at the urinal looking like an idiot but i'm like i seriously could not grip and that was like my introduction to america going okay, it's going to get cold here during winter because i yeah. you know the, the coldest it gets in where i'm from is like 50 degrees yeah yeah <laughs> So what we're, we're talking about the zipper, right? That you couldn't, that you couldn't yeah. grab. Yes. Okay. Just make sure we're clear. <laughs> there was what, the what, zipper what that. What did I call it? The fly? What did I say? No, no, no. He, he was making a crude was, joke. Was was a joke. It was a dirty uh, joke. I apologize. This is good. We know we would get along well. We've got what's called banter. This is guy chat. That's all right. That's right. So what were you going to be doing here? What What was the job that you had landed here? So I landed here. I had a deal with... Uh, a show called The Chew, which was on um, mm. ABC and, and a daytime cooking show, which is awesome. Um, I had landed a book deal to take my book that I self-published to then be published, which is awesome. Mm-hmm. Um, and then I truly like, I effectively was meant to be opening a, a restaurant like two years, like within a year, but that due to a number of different factors, union and stuff, like I started working on it and within, I was expecting to get paid within four months. They're like, oh, by the way, this is going to be delayed, delayed. We're going to remove your contract and didn't pay me a single cent. So that was like, oh, cool. So I've been living under the pretense that I've been getting earned this amount of money and I'm not. uh, And in fact, the four months that I've been working here, I haven't actually, I'm not going to earn anything. So Mm. that was a really tough, tough initiation to America. It looks like the zipper part was actually pretty happy. (laughs) (laughs) But yeah, that was, that was my initiation of life. Right. But from there, like. Day by day, you battle through things in New York City, and I I cannot tell you how happy I am every day waking up. It's, That's it's, awesome. So yeah. let, let's talk about that, the, the daily battle, because I, I want to dive yeah. in, and Tyler, this may have been where you were going. You know, we, we hear that, you know, it was a daily battle, but what specifically were you having to do on a daily basis to survive? I got to imagine you had probably eaten through a lot of your savings because you weren't mm. bringing in any money. So what did a day look like in this time of your life? You know, it's a great question, man. Like, I made I, I made the call that if I needed to, I would recall my savings from back home in Australia. But I made a conscious effort not to. Mm-hmm. I worked my absolute tail off. I slept on couches. I like I, it was the funniest experience. Like I, I remember, like couple of my first Good Morning America experiences or morning show experiences. I'd get picked up in an SUV. 
or like the escalator, wherever is a really nice thing of things that I'm like, oh, this is really cool. Like young, out of the water of Australian, go to set, be looked after, go back home. And my couch is where I've been sitting, like on a friend's place. And, and that was like, I was totally like, I've got no problem with that. Like that's, mm. that's what life is like. And so then I'm like, okay, I need to go. I need to, I need to earn enough now to get, to get to this, these points. And, and uh, I did very, very like, it wasn't quick, quick, but like I signed a lease within four months um, and it's just been up and up from there. So like, mm. you know, it's funny. I remember the first year I moved to New York City, how much money I earned. And like, I, I really, I'm not a big money guy, right? I'm more sure. about impact, mm. 100%. Everyone asked me that. My friends asked me that. Like my girlfriend asked me that. Yeah. But like, I remember the first year I moved here, how much money I made. And like, you know, you boys know this. Sometimes like, I, I, some of the agreements and things that I do, I make that in one check. And so yeah. it's like, it was just a very humbling experience yeah. to know that mm. anyone who's trying to get by, you know, I think you know within yourself, mm. you know within yourself, if you truly believe in what you're truly being there for, you are genuinely going to, you're going to get there because yeah. you're so passionate. I was mm. so passionate and so passionate today about having the impact in the world through food that I have always wanted that it was never like a formality of like if it was always a when when see. and so I, I just put my head head down so those first yeah. four months was there ever that thought in your mind like oh i made a mistake I, I i need to i'm gonna head back look there was definitely some really tough times mm-hmm. and i knew that i could go back if i wanted to mm-hmm. but i think i made a conscious of it not to yeah like mm-hmm. that was really really tough for me so like i didn't want to be the guy who needed to go back yeah. So, but I think it goes back to your passion, right? Your passion to yeah. make an impact, right? And and it, and it makes those challenges. And this is speaking to the audience that may be going through something difficult right now. Is align your align your um, your mission with your passion and your purpose, whatever it may be. Whether it's you know impact, whether it's service, whether it's whether it's money, whatever it is, align it. So that those hard days, those hard four months, that hard year, the hard two years, right? Those become manageable. I'm not gonna not gonna discount that those are hard or not hard, but those become okay. This is part of it. And then, like you said, right, the, the really hard time on Friday. Okay, now I could take this from a perspective of okay, this is a learning lesson. This isn't a setback. This is I'm just learning. Now I can pivot and I can you know take it a different direction because now I know how to handle that situation situation or not to handle the situation. Yeah, like I think I figured like, definitely the age thing kind of like, you know, definitely factored in. I didn't have a girlfriend at the time. I didn't have a wife. I didn't have any kids. Like yeah, I didn't have responsibility. So if it was going to time for me to do it, it definitely was that. Yeah. But yeah. I think I also, yeah, like, like like you guys have through your whole career, you've had people who tell you cannot do something. Right. Yeah. And the only person who cannot tell you to do something is you. Yeah. Right. And like even if you have a coach, a coach tells you, sorry, you're not good enough. Great. You can, like, you get cut. You get dropped to the practice squad or whatever it is. At the end of the day, they have the ability to do that, but you go out there and prove if it's actually, you're, only your body can tell you you're not good enough, right? Because mm. you can go get another team, whatever it is. It's, it's, a, it's a tough thing to think about, but I've always been living by the context that if I'm trying to get somewhere, what is it that's going to stop me? And is it simply just someone else or is it me just not working hard enough? Mm-hmm. Right. You know? Yeah. And, and I think back then, as I said, I didn't have any responsibilities. It was a hundred percent all me. How many people was I not connecting with? What was I not doing? Was I not cooking enough? Was I not creating enough content? Was I, 
too, too honestly hitting the gym too much? What, what was it that was stopping me from doing stuff? How much do I value my time on what's working? Mm. And like, to be, to be honest, I put so much work into something that, you know, like content creation is, is like a lot of things. It, 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 it may not pull off straight away. Like people say, I'm trying to create, um, you know, a new series or whatever it is. And like even podcast guys, like podcasts take a while to generate a following and that's yeah. fine, but just know it takes a long time. And eventually you just start to get opportunities after opportunities after opportunities. And like, you know, there's no way the three of you want to be chatting to me if, <laughs> like I didn't put the work in, like yeah, right. you know what I mean. That's and right. I'm a cool Aussie. Hey, <laughs> for sure. <laughs> right, right. right. I mean, had we ran into each other on the street, we'd be boys. But yeah. unfortunately, <laughs> yeah. you're in New York and yeah. we're in Dallas. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. yeah, that's it. I just, I always say, like, if it, if it's a if it, control the controllable, so yeah. control what you can. Don't control what you can't. If something happens that is outside your control, don't dwell on it. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, you know. I just remembered that like, if there's anyone going to stop me from doing something, it's only going to be me. Yeah. Right. yeah that, that leads me to my next question for you during this period, during this, during this hard time, we had a guest on last week who, who he's a psychologist and, and he talks about the chatter, the negative talk that you have in your head. And he's got all these sorts of techniques that you can, you know, you can imply uh, to, to try to reduce that chatter or try to help yourself through that chatter. So I'm curious for you, are you somebody that plans out things? Do you write things out? How did you work yourself during that time through the negative talk in your, in your head? Firstly, Ethan's amazing. He's, uh, oh, there he you went, go. He, he, yeah. I had him on my show too. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I think he's at Michigan, right? Go blue. That's right. Uh, yes. I yeah. <laughs> yeah. That's right. There you go. <laughs> Um, yeah. knows, I told you guys, like, I'm, an, I'm, like, I'm absolutely yeah, unique. I'm an Australian who genuinely is enamored with this uh, American sport. Um, love but oh, I love it. Negative, negative self-talk is definitely a problem. It is something that we, we all have it because we are, like, <laughs> believe, it, believe it or not, guys, we can't separate our brain from <laughs> us as physical people right. and our mind and everything. So, you know, when you're on your own, you can definitely build up this yes. negative state. Obviously, there's factors like sleep that actually help and mm-hmm. we hear about all these kind of things. But when it, when it comes to planning, I have like my my visual um, – so I have my plans that I want to achieve things for, right? Mm-hmm. I have my North Star, if you will. But I've also got things that happen throughout life that I have to kind of like be adaptive to. Mm-hmm. And I mean the sense that let's take COVID, for example. Everyone was talking about how well you plan for something. And I don't believe anyone planned for COVID to take place, mm-hmm. right? No one planned for COVID. And the businesses and people that I feel that have come out the other side stronger are those who have adapted. Mm-hmm. Right. So I kind of like, yes, I have to have a plan. I have to have a plan 100% running a business, being part of, you know, whatever it is, girlfriend loves a plan. Like, mm-hmm. you know, there's all those kind of things in place, but you have to also be adaptive to the situation. And I think I put, I've always, I'm a, I'm so good at adapting. Like I, I don't like if I'm, I'm a very, I'm truly, I'm a humble person. But there's one thing, I'm, two things I'm good at being very empathetic to people mm-hmm. and um, uh, which can be a negative. But the other thing is I'm adaptive. So for example, as an example, the amount of times I've gone on morning shows, which is live television in front of millions of people, and the stove will not turn on mid like oh. <laughs> mid uh, <laughs> mid uh, cross, yeah. it happens all the time. Right. And when you're on live television, you can't really go, "Okay, guys, cut." Right, <laughs> right, yeah. So you got to learn to adapt to the situation. Yeah. That's a very shorthand situation. Another one is having like 
five hosts on at one time and they all want to, it's so funny. It's, it's one of the funniest things trying to complete a recipe when you have five hosts on TV at the same time. Anyway, um, <laughs> but, but like that same thing is like, I, I have to adapt. If someone we had, we were doing meal plans throughout the, uh, throughout all of COVID. And so when people were like, okay, I need to change my meal last minute, you're just like, yes. <laughs> you know right. what I mean? Yeah. Like this client, we need to make sure that the business still operates. Okay, we'll do it. Um, someone changed their order and your food is on the docket already and you're like about to serve it up and you have to learn how to adapt. Or oh, this person wants gluten-free. Like there's so many things you have to learn to adapt for and I take that throughout my whole life. So yes, I plan. Yeah. But I also adapt. So I want, I want to pause real quick. All this talk about food and um, you know the, the community that it brings and, and all, the, all the great uh, benefits of, of having good food. Um, and, and I want to talk about some really, really great food, uh, that we experienced recently up at Choctaw Casino and Resort in Durant, Oklahoma. So you think of a resort or you think of uh, a casino and, and the first thing that, that comes to your mind is not necessarily, Oh, amazing food. You know, maybe if you're talking about Vegas, there's good restaurants, but tell you what, Choctaw Casino and Resort has as good of food as you'll find anywhere in the Metroplex, starting with um, the steakhouse that they have there, uh, 1832. I mean, it is fresh. It is amazing. Uh, you know, Dan's talking about uh, making sure, hey, the, the, you've got a good mixture of vegetables, got a good mixture of, of, of protein, a good mixture of carbohydrates so that your gut is, is working correctly. Find all of that there. And it's incredible. And talk about the community. Pair it with a glass of wine. I mean, it is absolutely amazing. 1832 Steakhouse. So now you're looking for something a little bit more casual, a little bit more just, uh, hey, I got to fill my belly because I've been uh, I've been hitting the tables all day and I've, I forgot to eat over the last 12 hours. Guy Fieri has a restaurant up there. It's an American cuisine. I mean, you've seen his stuff. I mean, it, it's no, burgers. It's just amazing. Um it's one of those things that, that Dan talked about is it's good sometimes to treat yourself. It's good sometimes that look, you're not gonna be you're not gonna be so strict your entire life. This is one of those things that, hey, look, you deserve it. You deserve a great Guy Fieri burger. Uh, a couple things also coming soon is the reserve, really high-end lounge. Uh, again, talk about community, the conversations that that are gonna happen there. I mean, they're just gonna be uh, just incredible uh, relationship building conversations that happen there in this in the lounge called the Reserve, and then also the Platinum Bar. Platinum Bar, you literally don't have to lift a finger; they do everything for you, full service. It's incredible. But uh, one of those things, I mean, we're talking about food, talking about all the benefits of it. Choctaw Casino and Resort has the best of the best. Uh, I mean, and and along with it, uh, I mean, there's there's all sorts of stuff. On top of it, on top of the food for the month of July, uh, we're talking about over a million dollars in giveaways. You've got a seven hundred thousand dollar giveaway with Corvettes. You've got a seven hundred fifty thousand dollar giveaway. All you've got to do is go up there, play with your member card, enter to win, and you get a chance every Saturday. Um, they are making draws, so uh, make sure to get up to Choc Talk Resort Casino for some great food. That's awesome. So. You came to the United States not knowing a, a ton of people. Um, you mentioned early on that you even had friends that, that you um, were able to sleep on their couches. But 
how you how you connect with people. You mentioned two things, right? Being adaptive and empathetic. I think being empathetic is one of uh, one of the strongest personal characteristics that someone can have because that's the ability to connect to people, right? That's the ability to be transparent. That's the ability to really have that deeper connection. But as you have grown your business, what has been your perspective on leadership that maybe has been different in the United States than than in Australia? That that was something that you had to learn or adjust to. But when you when you approach your team, what is kind of your mindset as a leader of the organization? Yeah, it's a really good question. Firstly, uh, all translations are in Australian, not American English. Mm. Uh, that's step number one. <laughs> so we're, saying, we're saying basil, not basil. Right. Um, so we've got this uh, laminated sheet of translations. So learn them and so, come back. It's, it's honestly, it's so funny stuff. Some of the team came in and started asking me about for some aluminum foil. Um, and we don't say aluminum, we say aluminum. I'm like, I actually don't know what you're talking about. <laughs> we don't it's have any of that here. Yeah. Yeah, between, between that and telling my team that we actually, as Australians, rode two bar scorn kangaroos, mine's been George. <laughs> um, that was probably two highlights of uh, the stuff Wait, discussing. Wait, you don't? <laughs> but um, no, my leadership style is, yeah, it, it is like my role and the way I look at it is people are definitely inspired by everything that I do. So I lead by example, as opposed to talk a lot. Um, but I've, I've, I've had to learn that America is a different, has been brought up differently. And I've had to, and like when I say differently, it's like Australia is different to you guys. So it's mm. like I had to learn there's no right way to do something. Mm. There's just a way to do something. Right, and yeah. there's different ways to put it into action. So for example, I find systematically, uh, and this is just through experience, Australians are really good at doing a lot but don't master one thing, whereas I feel Americans are really good doing one thing really well but won't do a lot. And then mm. that can, that's a bit of a generalization as a whole, but through the teams that I've see, seen, I've had to adjust to that. So, you know, <clears throat> to be honest, there's a bit of an understanding behind why. This is more maybe a hospitality thing, but we found that in Australia, because the wages are higher, we have to account for less people working on the floor, right? So they had to learn to deal with a lot more. Yeah. Whereas here, the wages are lower, and so you can account for them to do more, but there's um, more people to u- utilize. Mm-hmm. So we had to learn to, uh, in our teachings, be less about um, teaching and showing and more about systems and checks and KPIs. Mm-hmm. And I know right. that sounds weird, but that's a definite learning experience for me. So when I'm outlining a, a, a plan for the team, I have to have those things in mind. Um, and funnily enough, we now have like a restaurant business, like 50% Australians. Mm, <laughs> <So right>. like, <laughs> they're learning this as well. And it's a great, it's a great opportunity because like yeah. you're learning how to do things in a different environment. Me personally, my leadership is always going to be lead by example. Yeah. I like, I've always, I'm always going to be that way. I'm, I'm less going to be, I, I'm learning to delegate better. <clears throat> but when I delegate, I learn to delegate in a way that makes people feel inspired mm-hmm. and own the task. Mm-hmm. Uh, as I said earlier, no one's going to do the job that I did the same way. Yeah, and that's right. not the saying. It's like, you have to be open to the fact that they don't do it your way, but they actually may do it better. Mm-hmm. And that's exciting to me. Um, wow. Funny story was uh, my team, I, like I don't work, the restaurant anymore right and like <laughs> i went the other day and i saw someone wanted to order a coffee I'm like oh i'll put it through for you i went to go do it and the point of sale the point of sale uh, device was is new and i'm like i looked at it i go i actually have no idea how to do that so <laughs> one of my team members came and was like 
Chef, get out of the way, dude. Yeah. Right. <laughs> and it was actually a really humbling experience. I was like, yeah. oh, that's cool, man. That's really right. cool. Like, I'm getting out of here. Right. <laughs> you don't need me. <laughs> How was that process in, in opening up your first restaurant? Because I would imagine that that's hard to let go. Hard to delegate and let mm-hmm. someone, because mm-hmm. that's your name, that's your brand mm-hmm. on the restaurant. And, and to turn that over, because I, I would imagine chefs probably have a hard time with that. Is it's like, look, this is my food. Do it my way, how I say it, so I can control it, so that I know what what product is actually going out to the table. How was that process for you, especially you know in your first in your first restaurant? Yeah, like it's. I, I actually think it was a very comfortable thing for me because um, going back to that empathetic thing, I I realized that like I don't actually as much as like my brand is you like it's Dan Churchill. It is like the chef and all that kind of stuff. People like you know follow me for whatever reason right Mm -hmm. and that's awesome but i think i get more out of particularly for my restaurant my restaurant's a separate brand right and i have to learn like i love that's a team environment so i'm Mm -hmm. the first person to to, you know um palm off accolades to the team and so when something like that becomes um i have to palm i have to force myself to palm it off it's kind of like an actual it's like a it's a pat on the back because i feel like i've now at a position the team is running it so smoothly mm. and that's more important to me than taking the name for it. I, I like right. I, I get more excitement over building a team, walking in every day, getting a little fist bump from the guys, getting my coffee and like they give me the update on their life, knowing they're handling everything, than me having to be there. Like I, I, right. I don't care if it's Dan Churchill's restaurant or not. Mm. I want it to be Charlie Street and I want it to be building its own way because ultimately I've got my own other brand over here that's doing its thing. Right. And I think I think when it comes to chefs, yeah, there, there is definitely ego involved with mm, that yeah. kind of stuff. But mm. I'm, I don't live by that because I can't grow. I will not be able to grow. Um, like last year was one of the toughest years. Not, you know, like digital, everything online went up, right? So everyone yeah. to learn to cook more and work out more. So I was fine. But the yeah. restaurant, we had no staff because no one wanted to come back to work because of unemployment. So I had to jump on the floor and be a, be a chef and everything else with my business partners. That was really tough having to battle out the time on that. But as soon as everyone, we got everything back and everything, it's such a humbling experience that like I wouldn't be able to do this right now with you guys. Right. We're pumping upstairs, so I can't really. Yeah. <laughs> but, yeah. but we're good. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah. so I mean, you, you make that it makes total sense. I mean, and you said you know, your brand is one thing, the Charlie Street is another thing, right? It's mm-hmm. it's it is what it is. And you can't impact the world the way you want to impact the world if you're going to be doing multiple you're, things, yeah, right? You're in the kitchen all day, all day, day long. Yeah. So let's talk about the impact. Sure. Let's mm-hmm. talk about that right now. What's the business look like right now as far as you impacting? Uh, the world. Yeah, it's, it's a great point. So every chef has to have a restaurant. Like I've realized that, mm-hmm. <laughs> especially in America, everyone's like, Dan, we see all this awesome food you talk about on TV, but where can we eat it? So I'm like, great. So we had to build a restaurant. We made it happen. That was a very quick two and a half years. I just kind of um, just breeze over because that's a lot of work. Yeah. 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 <laughs> yeah. All of a sudden, like, oh yeah, found a spot built to it. So <laughs> yeah. Yeah, awesome. um, yeah. But no, I think, yeah, I think for me, the the phase now of like impact is like firstly the online game or digital and social platforms and TV. It's mm-hmm. all these different things that mm-hmm. like uh, effectively help me spread my word, whether it be YouTube videos, Instagram, TV, books, podcasts, all of them are media and the media is helping you share your voice, helping share your reason. Mm-hmm. <clears throat> On the other side, we finally have a way of doing the impactful thing through education on everything that I do. So talking about impact through education. So letting people know where their food comes from, understanding your gut health, truly understand. This is a great one for you boys. Like 
how good is it that we can finally work out what type of foods are specifically right for you? Mm-hmm. Like not not going to get like a generic meal from the cafeteria, but one that really optimizes your performance. So that really excites me in finding ways we can educate that for every individual. Then there's like the sustainability arm. Like being a chef, I see the impact on, on certain food choices has on our overall environmental health. Now, that's impactful for me. And the other side of it, I get to work with companies like City Harvest, which is uh, up here in the Northeast, um, in particular in New York City. We help to feed those in need because one in five people in, in New York City go hungry. And uh, we also waste 40% of our food. So I get to be like the captain for the City Harvest uh, New York City Marathon. And we have 75 runners this year. Last time was two years ago. We had 50 runners and we raised enough money to feed a million people. So that's a quantifiable number to me. So that's another mm-hmm. form of impact, um, which is really exciting. And then I guess another one is the fact that at the restaurant, we are not solely plant-based. We are plant-forward. So we just encourage people to eat more plants. That is the defining factor in why our society can be healthier is just eating more plants in general. So if you have your chicken, just eat it with more variety of plants. Mm-hmm. We've developed a product to them at this point in time which like uh, would technically compete with the likes of Beyond Meat but are actually good for you mm-hmm. I can go out there and actually say that because the stuff in Beyond Meat is not that good for you great for the environment not that good for you right. so if I put all these facets together and say media is a great awareness the product and then actually being out and being involved with the charity I'm personally starting to build a, a really solid foundation through all the things that I'm doing to help people understand where their food comes from, helping people build um, build kitchens in third world countries for that really need it and helping those in New York City and eventually America and the world in, in obtaining food sources that are affordable and can actually look after themselves. Right. I remember the days I got to sit with my family and see the impact that had on us socially and I want everyone to have that same feeling. That's incredible, oh, man. There's, yeah. a, there's a lot to unpack there. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> there there's two question, main questions that, that I, my mind goes to. Uh, that I want to make sure you cover. Number one is, and I point this out every episode, but I think it's so <laughs> important to point it out every episode, is people always are led back to serving others, and they mm-hmm. attribute their success to the service of others. You mentioned early on in your story that once you ran out of you know your dream and trying to fulfill the rugby goal and, and realizing that wasn't going to work out, you immediately switched to, well, how can I serve people? How can I help others? So why is a servant mentality so important to you? I, I've just always been someone who wants to help. It sounds so weird. Like people, I, I, I think you guys can understand is like you have people around you who are just those natural people that you can talk to about anything. Like we all have that. We all have people in our life that irrespective of what's going on, you can just chat to them. They're just really easy to chat to, no judgment, and they just tell you how it's going on. I definitely find myself being that person and, and I, I've been told I have to rein it back a little bit because people just feel like they can talk to me and, and I, you know, I always want to help. Right. It's something I've always wanted. Like my mom, I, I get it from my mom. She's the sweetest, most lovely person in the world who wants nothing more than our happiness for her, her three boys. Um, and, and she's always done that. Like dad, hard nose, kind of like direct. His emotion and love came from like driving me to rugby games. And like mm. I realized that. I'm like, dad got up every week on an early Saturday morning Jeez. to take me to play rugby. And he took yeah. me to every location. And like 
at the time, my love was like, why doesn't dad love me? And it's actually like, he always did. This is just a way, this yeah, is just his it, way yeah, of showing so it. it yeah. Mum was affectionate and cuddly and like yeah. gave us like, you know, just affection. And so for me, I learned from mum that way. It's like, and even dad to an extent, it's just, I love helping people. I love mm, listening yeah. to people's stories. I love finding ways to help them feel better and realize the optimal potential for themselves. I chatted with someone this morning, they were talking about how they were struggling with something. And it, it's not like I'm not a pro, I don't want to be necessarily, I am a problem solver, but like I'm not there to make myself feel better by talking to you. I want them to realize, like I'm talking to you guys right now, things are so achievable, it is tough. And all you need sometimes is to get past that initial barrier that's stopping you from doing that. Mum taught me that, you know, love and affection is, is definitely a way of supporting it. But then dad's direct way of just getting stuff done is, yeah. is, is definitely also a catalyst. So yeah. I've, I've always loved that. I'd love to build my team. I'd love to encourage them. I love having dinners with them and seeing what's going on outside of work. I've just always been that person. Yeah. I don't know if I could connect with you anymore. Like that was my dynamic. Yeah. For sure. Like yeah. my dad, I, I, my dad, I don't think I ever said I love you to my dad until I was 21 years old. Mm. And, but he was at every football game and every weigh in, he had a bag. He had a egg McMuffin waiting yeah. for me after I weighed <laughs> in and made weight, yeah. but he was always there and that was his way. And, and man, I, I, yeah. I totally feel yeah. that my mom was the same, man. Yeah. That's, yeah. That's, and that's a segue to my, my second question for you. Cause you mentioned earlier in your story and this is what we're talking about now. The, the, um, the tie of community and food. Why are why is mm. food and community so synonymous with each other? Well, we all like. There's so many ways to answer this question. Like, let's let's think historically. Like, we hunter gatherers. We evolved that way. We did everything communally through that. Right. We've established cultures around food. Italy. Like the mm. fascination of food in Italy is amazing. Like. You look at like Creole, like there's different levels of it all. Mm-hmm. Like every part of the world and each culture and each community has a respective way of traditionally doing things. Yeah. I love the food. And this is this is the other side of it. Like when I don't do nutrition, I'm talking about like the storytelling of food. Yes. Right? Yes. When I get to do travel shows and I get to like experience like Southeast Asia, like talk about like why they do things the way they do. It's all to like get up, look after their kids, clothes, make food rinse and repeat but they do it in a way that is so special <clears throat> italians spend every last dollar dollar on the best italian tomatoes they can have access to right and i can guarantee you you look at like why they live so much longer is because the communal aspect the endorphin rushes the amount of happiness they get from those moments together as a family is unmatched yeah. and yeah. and so i think the always thing i always say is Food is so powerful because if you put a bowl of ramen in front of a Japanese lady and I don't speak a word of Japanese, I can still communicate with them because she will smile, she will respond, and we've had a moment and that is communal. And so mm. community is so much is so important to that because when you get to do it with your friends and family, don't worry about the nutrition. Think about the excitement, the experiences, the memories, and the amount of endorphin rushes that you would get just mm-hmm. truly on that alone is just so healthy. Yeah. yeah. And we, that's you know, so yeah, that's awesome. So true. That is all, and it's so true, man. Yeah. Cultures are different, you know, but it's, it's, it centers around <laughs> that dinner or, or the food and all. And that's, that's so important to, to, to everyone. But I, the question I would have would, would be 
on the health benefits side, as, as I get older, especially mm. gut, you know, you always hear about gut health. and He describes it usually as like his tummy starts to hurt yeah. at, like in the middle of the day. <laughs> but even, even at a younger age, you all, I never really thought about why I felt a certain way when I'd mm. eat certain foods. I just wasn't yeah. educated mm-hmm. enough. Talk to yeah. us a little bit about where, where the dynamics are in gut health and how big yeah. that is nowadays. Uh, yeah, it's just huge, boys. Um, wow. Okay, cool. So let's step into – I'm going to start this one off. So I'm just going to say like this. Your body is amazing, all right? You, you have your gut and you have your brain, and technically the gut is recognized as a second brain. I personally call it the first brain because my gut thinks before my brain does sometimes. <laughs> yeah. It's tells me what to do, and I think you boys can absolutely right, 100% agree. Like, when you're hungry, your yeah. gut tells you, and then your brain then your brain responds. And that's yeah. where you get hangry. But yeah. um, we have more nerves in our, in our gut than we do in our brain. We have unbelievable ways of responding to certain things by what we eat. Mm-hmm. We have, you know, our brain is amazing in itself, which sends messages to and from the rest of our body to enact things, but it is definitely reliant upon what we put into our body and ultimately into our gut. So this is what's important. So in your gut, you have all these wonderful little warriors, if you will. I, I always like refer them as like offensive or defensive linemen. Um, and they are like there to support your gut, right? What's interesting though is you need a variety of uh, players because if you had, say you had millions of Patrick Mahomes, as good as millions of Patrick Mahomes is, he's still going to, you know, get rushed. He's not going to. He, he's not yeah. going to protect Patrick Mahomes' yeah. backside. Right. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. Exactly. So you need a you need a whole team, and yeah. they each had their own special uh, special role, right? Mm. So if you had the Kansas City Chiefs versus a Patrick Mahomes elite team, Kansas City Chiefs going to beat Patrick Mahomes every single time. Right. What you want to do is provide each. Uh, athlete with their own respective nutrients to help them grow. Now, each bacteria, we go back to bacteria, are these uh, individual athletes. Now, each one responds better to a, a particular uh, pre, uh, prebiotic, a dietary fiber. Where do we get dietary fiber from? Plants, right, amongst other things. So if we support ourselves with a variety of dietary fiber, we will get a more diverse team. Now, the more plants you you double down on the more diverse team, the better skill set you'll get. You even get some bench players. When yeah. you guys like get too tired, the bench comes in and they're so good as well. Yeah. So you know this is where my thought and philosophy comes in with comes to food. All right. You want to make sure that you're getting enough dietary fiber that will be your prebiotic to support your probiotics, which is those good bacteria, to outweigh the bad uh, bacteria, which eventually once they consume the prebiotic, the dietary fibers your probiotic will then um, create something called your postbiotics, all right? Mm. Pre plus pro equals post. Sorry if I'm getting too scientific, just jump in here, guys. But essentially, that will then, your postbiotics do some stuff, like effectively they are, and this information, by the way, I'm getting from a very good friend of mine named Dr. B. He's like the gut health MD on Instagram. He's amazing. Mm. He talked about these short chain fatty acids, these postbiotic being the gatekeepers, the VIP, the security guards at the hottest nightclub in town at the blood brain barrier in your brain, letting the good things in and the bad things stay out. Right. right? So mm-hmm. that's amongst one thing. It also helps with immune response, immune support. So the way that you're able to actually look after yourself better is through what you eat and making sure you get that diversity. And ultimately 
that's my philosophy when it comes to it doesn't matter if you eat plants or animals. It's more important you get a diversity of plants. Right. That is my mm. philosophy. Okay. Mm. No, that makes sense. So dude, that's yeah. So right. sorry, because because this is something. Oh, like, this, this is, is personally, dude. You guys are looking to each other, going, "I think I get it." No, <laughs> no. <laughs> my, you said my head's spinning with a million questions right now. So <laughs> I, I think I think as a as a culture, and I'm I'm just going to speak specifically to the United States, right? We've got mm-hmm. a lot of gut issues because we've got dietary habits that mm-hmm. are have just kind of been ingrained in us, right? Whether yep. it's like, oh, hey, I'm just going to drink milk all the time or, hey, I'm just going to have a ton of gluten because that's what I had or I've, you know, I'm only going to eat whatever it is, whatever your your uh, historical influence has been on your diet. Um, so to those maybe that have struggled with it, that may be losing some of these enzymes and bacteria in your stomach, like you said, the offense and defensive line, can you can you replace those enzymes with the right diet? So say you're like, okay, look, I figured out where I'm struggling, where I'm maybe, you know, insufficient in this or insufficient in that. Can I recreate and draft or sign some other guys on as a free agent? Oh, I love this analogy. Yeah. Think of us as we are going to create the Tampa Bay Buccaneers of 2020, right? Mm. So like they recruited Tom Brady, they got Gronkowski, they got, you know, they got Brown and they won the Super Bowl Mm. after having a tough start. That's exactly what this is. Yes. The most exciting thing is you can change your gut flora to better yourself and it all starts with your food. Mm. Now, I'm not expecting, you know, society to all of a sudden change directly to what I want them to. In fact, I don't want them to because ultimately, if you change drastically, it's a slower response. Your body is like all of a sudden, what happened when like Tom Brady had no preseason mm-hmm. and they had to start playing? It was tough. They yeah. were like what they were seven and five, was it? Yeah. Like, and then they ran out the rest of the season. Mm-hmm. My point is like they needed time to get to know each other, need mm-hmm. to run some plays, need to get an understanding. And so what we find ourselves doing now is like let's gradually include some things that are going to start working. This is what I say. I'm not asking people to completely remove things from their diet long-term. Like I love the fact that people can do things long-term. The thing is when it comes to all this though, there's some things you can have sometimes. Let's cut out refined sugar. Mm-hmm. All right. And mm-hmm. we cut out refined sugar. And when we do that, we can actually, you know, ultimately look after a lot of the diabetic problems we have already. We can reduce inflammation and we have, that is like, honestly, the simplest thing you can do is just one thing: remove all the added sugar. Mm. All right. Okay. Yeah. Can, can you? Sorry. Can, yeah. What, awesome. does, that, what some, does that translate yeah. to real? Can life? you give us some examples of that? Because yeah. I'm sitting here yeah, thinking yeah, about. So like, I'm thinking about the folks in our office who may have no clue what a refined sugar is. Go, I love that. I love that. So, all right, we're gonna play a game, boys. Put your hands up. Put your hands right up. Put your hands <laughs> up. There we go. All right. So, put your hand down. If you added a refined sugar, such as just a table sugar, to your coffee or tea this morning? Uh, I did not. Good boys. Yeah. We've got some legends in the house. Okay, <laughs> so did you add any form of additional sweetener outside of honey or maple to any of your breakfast cereal this morning? Yeah, you're dumb down. What do we have, Dad? What do we have? No, I actually, I added a creamer. You had a creamer. Okay, so, my, so inside and, your creamer, there can yeah. be high fructose corn syrup, cane sugar, yep. anything like that yep. you'd want to try and avoid. Okay, okay? Yeah, that's me. That's the kind of stuff. Okay. Yep. Gotcha. Okay. Final, yep. final question. Oh, final question. We're back. <laughs> Who actually had granola or a any form of breakfast cereal in the past week? Oh, me. 
Oh, Dan, you're out then. <laughs> Granola, man. You're out, dude. So, uh, boys, hands down. So, the exercise is effectively added sugar, refined sugar is simple sugar, so confectionery sugar. Anything like you see in your packet cereal contains sugar, all right? It's, mm-hmm. it's full of um, artificial stuff. If it doesn't say sugar in the packet but says stuff like sucralose or anything like that, look, I'm going to have to submit this because it's a bit more technical um, yeah. and some show notes for you boys, but effectively – Added sugar or refined sugar is sugar sweetener or anything like that that's uh, added to tea, coffee. You'll see it in breakfast cereals. You'll see it in granolas. Mm, yeah. Obviously, cake, mm, coffee, mm-hmm. all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Uh, cake, um, biscuits, or, or uh, sorry, of cookies. That's just natural stuff. You'll see it as well, even in confectionery um, packets of chips. They actually add some sweetener to it sometimes just to give that salty sweet mm-hmm. response. Yeah. I think for me, the easiest one is like we all know that chips, fries, um, you know, sugar, candy, that stuff's not good for you. That's obvious. Yeah. We know Just that. I don't need to tell you guys two that. of my three favorite think- foods. <laughs> <laughs> what are we The secret though is, is like avoiding these ones that people don't know yeah. about. If you're yeah. having breakfast cereal every single day and you're having like Nutri-Grain or anything like this from some of these big, big conglomerates, they're adding a lot of sugar yeah. to it, right? Mm-hmm. You're having right. so much sugar. If you're making your own granola, which is very simple to do, you can use maple or honey, it's yeah. a much better alternative, awesome. right? If you're adding sugar to your coffee or your teas, where you have like one sugar, two sugar, or even sweetener or stevia as well. I was going to ask you stevia because right, that's got the, the label of, oh, it's the healthier option. Yeah, but it's like... <laughs> A little bit say, healthier. It's like, it's like Diet Coke. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. <laughs> you know what I mean? It's yeah, like, oh, yeah. it's okay now. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. Look, so in saying this, guys, I'm not saying never to have that. Mm-hmm. I, had, I had ice cream last night. Right, I'm 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 living this life, but I, I rarely have it all the time. I, I don't yeah. have it all the time. I rarely have it, but I'm going to enjoy it every now and then. Right. So cutting out refined sugars is the number one thing mm. that's going to do so much to your life already. And it actually, sugars are like very addictive, so you, you do have to learn to like mm. you know slowly wait wean your way off. Some yeah. people are cold turkey, but we're seeing better studies. People doing weaning off. The second thing is just get more color color in your day. If you go to a barbecue joint and like brisket ribs, all the good stuff is on the menu, just try and add in the salad. I know it sounds weird, but like Mm -hmm. that is so hard for your body to digest all the protein that's in that. Right. right? Mm -hmm. You don't have, this is the best way I put it, protein, carbs, and fats. We hear about these macronutrients all the time. We have all these wonderful micronutrients though that everyone needs. The protein in this analogy is cement. Now we're building, (laughs) we're building Jerry World. Now Jerry World needs all this cement. Right, so Jerry World is uh, after say a ton of cement. Now, that cement, we go pick it up, we take it down the road. A person gets out of the truck, activates it, and then someone else starts to put it where it needs to. Mm-hmm. Now, in order for that to happen, if the cement is the protein, you have to have all these micronutrients that were like say the road, the person who activates it, the vet, the truck itself, to help your protein get to the source yeah. it needs to. Gotcha. So in order for it to get there, like, ah. Oh, if you're Deion Sanders and you need to run down the field, like you need to have blockers in your way. If you don't have right. blockers, you don't have to, it doesn't matter how many Deion Sanders you are. Like you need people to block you. Right. I don't know right. if you so asked Dion, need... he'd say he didn't need them. My point is we need support. Yes. And if we just yeah, had yeah. protein, we didn't have the rest of the support to activate what the protein is meant to do. That's yeah. a great analogy. That is a, that was a great analogy, man. Thanks. man. I mean, you Appreciate really you. broke that one down. I mean, that, <laughs> 
No, seriously. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. So step number one, refined sugar. Cut it out as best you can. Okay. Number two, just eat more plants in your week. Just mm. see if you can get some more color because every color associated with a plant is associated with a beneficial nutrient. So you've got your reds, your purples, your greens, you know, just try and add some more color to your week. Like we have a full process involved in doing this, but it's, it's like, think about how many different plants you get in your week. So see if you can add an extra five. Just yeah. see if you can do it. You know, I, I want to honor you real quick because of, uh, as we said, maybe, I don't remember if we had press record or not, but we first heard you on Nick Bear's podcast. Mm. And ever since then, literally my thought has been, okay, how can I implement more color yeah. into my diet? Because I I, awesome. I generally see myself as a, as a healthier individual. I, I like to make healthy choices. But when I was being self-reflective and, and honest with myself, I wasn't getting near enough plants in my day mm. at all mm-hmm. and not near enough color. Right. And so yeah. what I've been thinking about the last few weeks based on, based on your advice was, color okay, how can life. I implement more color into my day yeah. and more plants That's in huge. my day? Yeah. yeah. It's yeah. been, That's it's huge. been a, and, yeah. and my energy levels have increased. I just feel mm-hmm. better. It really does make a massive difference. Let me and tell it, you how to get some more color in your life. <laughs> <laughs> Let me tell you. Let me tell you. <laughs> Moving on. <laughs> Let's talk about my love for you later. Boys, 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 I mean, boys, I want to go back. The thing I want to go back to, and you mentioned that, like, you know, you've got just as many nerve endings or more in your gut than you do in your brain. And and the impact that it has, and, and Ben just mentioned it, is a healthy gut. I mean, the clarity that you have, the, I mean, how yeah. much better your day mm-hmm. is when you have the proper gut health. Um, I mean, that's, so... So to go to that, you mentioned, okay, everybody's a little bit different, right? Everybody's got a different makeup. So mm-hmm. how, how do you figure out what you need? Is it just trial and error? Like, hey, try this. I mean, obviously, you want to have more colors. But say someone is like, look, I'm tired of feeling the way that I do. I really want to make a conscious yeah. effort about, okay, cleaning up my gut, making sure my gut um, functions the way that it's designed to. How do I know? What to? Are there tests out there to do? I mean, what's what are the steps for those people? Yeah, man, man, it's it's a great question. So, like, I, I always suggest try and do it yourself first because mm-hmm. there's a lot of things you just cut out naturally by thinking about it. Yeah. That like I don't need a test to do. So, for example, how many how many added sugar am I having a week? Right. Yeah, like, right. okay, I really need to cut that down. If I'm only having like four different colors a week, I really need to increase that. Let's see how that goes after that mm-hmm. for another week. Yeah. There's also um, listening to your gut, like. Are you are you going regularly? Are you mm. is the is the we talk? He about says going regularly. He means like, he means going number two. Yes, yes. yes. We going got it. We, exactly. We got it. We'll say no, I'll just clarify. No, we got it. You, you just wanted to put it out there more. I'm the child. <laughs> I'm the child <laughs> of the group. I always I always try to make it really. Yeah. yeah. The boys are talking about yeah. going to the bathroom. Yeah. Yes, we are lads. All right. So we got. <laughs> he, he called so the shit poop. So if you're going regularly, if here's another one for you guys, gonna love this. If your consistency is sharp. Like if, if it's really good consistency, if it, is yeah. it wet, is it like holding together? Mm. You know, there should be competitions out there. Who's got the best stool? Yeah. Why not? Mm. I mean, so what's good? Then, right? What's good? Is it, is it peeing out of your, he needs a former wrestler, you know, yeah. Yeah. wrestlers. Yeah. When I wrestle, football man, players I go, are like I go this, six brother. weeks without a stool movement. Yeah. So. Wow. Look, okay. uh, look, this is really, am I allowed to swear on the show? Yes. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, Darren, hey, I, my kids can't watch the show because Darren disregards. Every once in a while I throw out. Yeah, oh, I, no, no. Well, I, I just say this is really good shit chat. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, good. <laughs> so um, effectively what you're looking for is something that's not super 
super hard that's like mm. trying to squeeze a lemon yeah. out. Um, mm-hmm. But you don't want to be wet. You want it to be somewhere it's like soft but hold its shape. Okay. Right? That's ideal. Mm-hmm. And you, you don't want to be going every two hours. You want to be going regularly. So like if you're regularly three times a day, sweet. Mm-hmm. If you're mm. once a day, sweet. If you're once every two days, mm, right. start thinking about what's going on down there. Yeah. Um, that's not ideal. You want to be ideally like, you know, one to two times a day is okay. realistic. Mm-hmm. And okay. Consistent good um but yeah so like there's that there's that stuff as well there are tests out there there's a company called zoe which is fantastic because they give you fat glucose and your gut health so you truly understand uh what works and then they tell you at the end like what you should be eating mm-hmm. um so they tell you what you're deficient in which is really fantastic oh, as well awesome. and what you like we're generally seeing consistently like people are just deficient in a variety of plants yeah right mm-hmm. like we talk about celiac and gluten intolerance and there's there's a number of factors to talk about there but just to keep it summated for that like gluten is something that to be to be a celiac or have issues with gluten there's three things that have to happen one you have to have the gene all right mm. if you don't have the predisposed gene wow. to having that intolerance um then it doesn't matter right mm. you, you can eat as much gluten as you want the second thing is you have to have uh effectively what's called disruptive gut so gut dysbiosis, mm-hmm. um, which is effectively where you have not allowed your gut to uh, – it's effectively where the bad bacteria – so, you know, the bad bacteria outweigh the good bacteria. You want your good bacteria to outweigh the bad bacteria. Okay. And the third thing is you have to eat gluten. So if you don't have the gene, you're sweet. If you do have the gene, you've got to make sure you look after your gut. And even if you do have gluten, you look after your gut, it doesn't matter. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah. 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 So this huh. is a lifestyle factor, guys. This is what yeah. we're talking about. It's not yeah. necessarily if you have the gene or not. It's whether you activate the gene. And the, the gene is only activated with improper lifestyle factors. Mm-hmm. So that's what's exciting. Oh, we can yeah. control this. Yeah. So how do you find out if you have the Is that a lab doing lab results to find you out? You can do lab results. Like Zoe will tell you when you have, like, as I said, um, improper deficiencies mm-hmm. you can get if you're celiac you just go to a doctor and they'll do like blood work on it and tell you right. if you have like the gene associated with it respectfully okay. but um best thing is as i said people should cut out refined sugar eat more colorful ingredients check their bowel movements have an understanding of what's going on in their gut is is everything like feeling good everything feeling fine um are they having some tummy issues check that have a think about what you just ate consistently do that and then ultimately go to a zoe like zoe is amazing that's awesome no i love that but if you're like me look i I don't want to jump i don't want to jump to it like right now damn we're having this conversation and i'm thinking how do i get to you to figure out what i absolutely want to eat like i i want to be specific in the fact that i don't i don't know all those things right so i want to educate myself through the process how could i go find you to say okay look i need to be you know, this is what I need in my diet. Can you, can, would you help me? Do, would you, do you have an app or a program that, that can, that I can get on that can really help me through this process? Yeah. So we have a, we have a procedure essentially. It's, um, it's now being actually formalized. It was once like a consultant thing, but now we're doing it. So you go through my website and I'll click mm-hmm. on like an application process and you mm-hmm. fill out your application. You tell us what's wrong. Um, we prescribe you another, like we get some wearable technology. Uh, we also give you Zoe as well. Um, and you can actually work out, you know, after that, what realistically is working, what's mm-hmm. not. And then I provide you with the food plan for you to recreate at home, um, mm-hmm. for you to understand what's going on. And ultimately the, the idea is for you to go, okay, I'm deficient in this. And then my job is to help you find the creative recipes associated mm, with that that yes. makes you enjoy wanting to, to, to find this new journey for you. 
Right. Man, awesome. I love that. And we make this harder yeah. for ourselves, oh too, because I, I guarantee you there's food that's really enjoyable for us that, that we would enjoy to have, but we just yeah. don't want to take you know, we don't we don't want to walk down that road well, because we're so used yeah, to yeah, and it's like it's what we're used answer, to Dan. doing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. It's what we're used to making, right? right. Your uh I mean your your choices of food are are limited to your experience and exposure to new recipes, mm. right? And think about when yeah, you try exactly. a new recipe, it's like it's not any different than That's making, right. you know, necessarily the mac and cheese that I'm right. used to making my kids, right? Yeah. It's it's really not that it's just the understanding that there's other things out there yeah. and you can do different things yeah. that taste just as good yeah. just using the right stuff. Honestly, people try recipes and like 90% of the time never try them again. Yeah. Wow. yeah. And it's like you're stuck in your routine, which yeah. we love. Yeah. But like just learning a new recipe yeah. and applying and don't being like, oh, that wasn't good the first time because I, I screwed it up. Sweet. Yeah. We'll try it again. Learn yeah. from As we said at the yeah. start, make a mistake. It's <laughs> It's so funny. Like people send me photos of their food they create at home. Like, oh, the sweep, I left it too long in the oven. Sweet. Do it again. Just yeah, make right. sure to set a timer. No big <laughs> no. deal. It tastes even better than what it is now. Yeah. <laughs> Crazy yeah. concept when you follow the directions. Yeah. And you know, <laughs> oh, man. It is so good being a chef online. I can tell you that much. <laughs> yeah. And, and it all comes back to what we were talking about earlier, the community aspect. And, mm. and again, going back to, you know, listening to you on that earlier podcast, it also reignited. I've enjoy, I enjoy cooking. And That's it awesome. reignited this desire in me to want to cook. And so now me and my wife cook together. And now we have oh, our kids dude, join us. So it, it's, it's a community-type atmosphere, doing something, trying new recipes, cooking, just, just having fun and enjoying each other. And I think that's, exactly. the, that, that's the overall theme here is, is community and food and how related they are together. So by, by cooking together, you mean you open that can of tuna that you yeah, eat yeah. every day? And and then she yeah, puts the well, mustard in yeah. it, and then you give it to the kids. <laughs> Look, I love that. But if I'm going to say anything, because I'm assuming you got a bunch of dude listeners, uh, love all you boys out there, shout out. But I'm just going to say, if you're either looking to impress a girl, here we go, or looking to uh, impress your girl already, cook. Yes, yes. yeah, Agreed. Because it is unbelievably impressive what happens. Here's the thing. It shows you cared and thought because you actually went out and actually put the time in to get the recipes. Mm-hmm. You had a plan in place to actually go and actually, uh, you know, I'm going to do something. And you were being spontaneous yes. and loving. Yes. And all those key things, girls love a guy who can plan. Girls love a guy who looks after, um, you know, her. And uh, mm-hmm. food, honestly, is the way to a girl's But you know so. the one thing a guy always needs? What's that, a freaking game plan. So if you can give me the game plan, <laughs> yeah. I can. Yeah, I can make it work. I will, I will know where to go. Central Market, Whole Foods, Tom Thumb. Go. I'll go get the food. I just need the game plan. Yeah, just tell me what to get. Tell me what yeah. to get. I got you. I got, that's why I come in. Yeah, we're, yeah, we're, we're right. working on the ability to uh, click one button and all the food <laughs> can just come standing right. So you don't have to go shopping. How's Love that for you? So what? Yeah, one sec before we because I want to get I want to get a lot of inf- more information about you to to share with the listeners listeners and in, in, in our community here because I think man you're going to be an incredible resource yes. not not only for for us which we're we're excited I'm excited to dive in um, but you mentioned you you've got a girlfriend now and yeah. you said hey way way to their heart so I want I want to take I want you to take <laughs> us into your apartment into your condo in New York that first date right is it like the movie right you got candles you got the towel over your shoulder you got wine poured I mean what does that setting look like you know when she first fell in love with you was like okay 
This is him. This is my guy. Well, she said it, <laughs> funnily enough, um, just to, just to, like, to preface, she actually said, and I, I'm not like I'm trying to make this sound as humbling as possible. She said she knew within 40 seconds um, wow. of me talking to her, but that was actually like, we went on a, like a nice little drink, right? Yeah. But, and that was like a win for me because I'm like, far out. I thought I had to close by cooking. And I didn't even have to cook yet to get to that point. Like, this girl's really special. She likes me after 40 seconds yes. as opposed to having to wait for my full trump card, right? Yeah. So then a week and a half later, I'm like, I'm going to cook for you. And I made like a really nice, I just executed a really simple dish. And I didn't want to go outlandish and like, you know, tabletop and that kind of stuff. Yeah. Um, but uh, yeah, it, it, it worked. So <laughs> I mean, that's one thing. I got a question for I, you. Is she an American girl? No, she's an Aussie man. She's an Aussie. Oh, I was gonna say okay. she's a fucking accent, but I can't, I was I like, can't throw it out. <laughs> like, oh, I don't know why she fell in love with me in forty seconds. Well, I could tell you why. <laughs> I fell in love with you the first forty seconds too. <laughs> oh man, no, she's a yeah. She's a she's like fuck. I probably over your accent because I'm dealing with all these Aussies and then she moves over here and meets me and she's like, oh. Can't escape. That's awesome. Can't escape. Well, well, man, this has been so much fun. And and before we get to our final question, I do want to direct people because as we said, you're the expert here. Anything food related, (laughs) if this conversation sparks something within you, you want to change the way you, you know, that, that you approach food. Uh, There's a few resources that, that you can reach Dan. His podcast, first of all, The Epic Table. Uh, that's one way. DanChurchill.com is another. And then all the social medias, IG, Twitter. Are you on TikTok? Are you doing any dances on TikTok? Mate, I just started doing TikTok. I tell you what, it's, uh, it's, it's like, I feel old. I it's a, yes. much, and I'm not even that old. I was going <laughs> to say, you're 31, you said? What's that, man? You're 31? Yeah, I'm 31. Yeah. Oh, so, yeah. Darren... Yes, I'm, I'm subscribed. You got you got website you got, right now. I'm sorry. You got 20 years on Dan. Yeah. How do you feel about yourself talking to Dan? I know you got three Super Bowls, but what he's done by 31, man, I, it's incredible. Dude, I'm, look, I'm subscribing right now to the website. I'm about to get signed up. I told you I need a game plan, right? Yeah, yeah. there it is. Speaking of that speaking of TikTok, our, our producers in her young 20s, and she's trying to get us on TikTok, and it's oh, it, to boys. your point, it's a different world, man. Oh, it, it's, it's a different world. It's wild. Uh, you it, thought Instagram was fun? Have a go at TikTok. <laughs> but no, I'd love to see the three of you on. That'd be hilarious. Yeah, we're, we're gonna start our first. You know, we're gonna start our dance challenges, and, and it'll be great. It'll be good. So you yeah, you won't catch me on it. <laughs> <laughs> talking about that authentic transparent like yeah. i'm gonna be authentic that i cannot dance and i will not dance <laughs> <laughs> all right dan last question man and there were so many nuggets of gold man, in your story of, of just great. getting out there putting yourself out there just start don't worry about it, having all the answers uh even when you don't know exactly where you're headed just go so as you look back on your life the final question we ask every guest is this if you could go back to any point in your life and tell yourself one thing, doesn't necessarily mean you go change anything, but if you could just go back and tell yourself one thing, where do you go and what do you tell yourself? Ooh. That's such a good, I'm trying to think of all the key moments in my life. I think, uh, honestly, people say, would you change anything? And I, or like, what would you tell yourself? And I think I always go back to that moment where I'm on that couch and I was so happy then. And, and not as happy as I am now, but I was still so happy. But I, I just tell myself, like, just keep, just keep being you. Mm. Honestly, stay who you are. Don't change, uh, and and you'll get to where you want to be. And I, I think that's, um, I've learned that in this world that if you're someone, you're fake. If you if you're not you, 
and then you get, you know, some accolades as a result of that. Those people who liked you for that aren't your true friend because when you actually who you are truly meant to be, mm. they'll drop off. And then all of a sudden you'll lose those people. You, you'll, you know, obviously um, feel tough about it. But your true friends around you will love you for who you are. Mm-hmm. And also you'll get to where you are when you are super passionate and genuine. So just stay the course is what yeah, I would say to myself yeah, um, that, when I was uh, first year in New York City. Love That's that, great. Bro. Great answer. Hey, Dan, where do I find you at Charlie Street? Where, where exactly are you in New York City? Mate, we uh, Charlie Street's down in Nolita, so north okay. of Little Italy. Um, it is 41 Kenmare, so between Elizabeth on Mott on Kenmare Street, uh, pretty close to the sixth train on Spring. So if you're walking through Soho, getting a nice little, uh, yep. you know, nice Soho shot, um, come say hi to us. Charlie Absolutely. Street. Absolutely. So yeah, yeah, if you're in New York, awesome. you're visiting New York, go check out Charlie Street for yeah. sure. Any, uh, any plans for the restaurant expansion, new markets, anything on the horizon there? Yeah, 100%. We're going to launch these products and they will uh, help us grow um, na- nationwide effectively. And through that, we'll launch uh, new new uh, restaurants with the effectively the accumulation of that plus the, the valuation, all that kind of stuff. Oh, so hey, yeah. the idea is to focus on the, the launch of the products, which will get us to a high, high mark, which will then yeah. allow us to um, – Ultimately, drop some more restaurants in some pretty cool places, maybe like Dallas. Dallas, Texas should yeah. be number two. Let's <laughs> <That's laughs> <good. laughs> good, man. Hey, if you are ever in Dallas or ever in the area, Austin, man, hit us up. We'd, we'd love to connect in person, man, and, and grab a drink, hang out. But, yeah. man, really appreciate the time. This has been – this has been Yeah, Dan, it's been awesome, man. Fun. Yeah, thank you. I mean, it's been – I mean, <laughs> taught us a ton. Yeah, you got educated. At the same time, and uh, we hey, listen. I'm already I'm subscribed, so if you're listening, yeah. subscribe as, as soon as you can. DanChurchill.com. I appreciate it, guys. Thanks so much, oh, and means a lot. And I keep being epic, guys. And we've all followed you gentlemen for some time now, so it's cool to cool to actually be a part of it and seeing uh, see you guys in the flesh. So I oh, look man. forward to, to catching up in, in Dallas. That's Absolutely. right. The feelings mutual, right, man. man. Have a good one. Love Thanks, you, Dan. Man. Much love, boys. All right, bro. All right. Thanks, man.